Welcome to The Big Deal, where we'll unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Treadray, along with Andrew Montessi, Dion Heyman and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and more. Subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast player and don't forget to sign up at www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities. Pretty excited. This is our first episode and I've got my co-hosts with me. The big fella, Warren Treadray, AFL Hall of Famer, Premiership Captain. Then we got big Dion Heyman, sports media veteran of 30 plus years. We keep saying 30 plus years, but no one actually really knows how long it's been. Can you give us a number? Well, there's life in the old dog yet. That's all I say. <laughs> 30 something's all I'm going with. Oh, that's fair enough. And, and Tread has... has Obviously, the extensive bio. The, the, the bio you gave me, mate, was really long, so I apologise for having to shorten it, mate. But More importantly, how many spelling mistakes were there? <laughs> plenty. Plenty. Now, I'm pretty excited to, to kick the show off. Like, I've worn a number of different hats in sport over the years, media, clubland, startups, and I've always wanted to see a, a deeper coverage of sports business really wanting to take sports fans into the boardroom and provide some of that behind-the-scenes access, analysis of contracts, negotiations, all of the things that happens behind closed doors that um, a lot of people don't hear about. You might get the headlines in the mainstream sports media, but we don't really get to unpack. Well, uh, boys, I think it's all about the barbecue. You know, when boys are around the barbecue, you you might have a soft drink, you might have a beer, hopefully it's a beer. Um, You know, snag and as we say, Australians, it's... uh, Sausage and bread in the hands and we're all just talking shop. And for us, it's all about the intricacies. Yeah, how many years? How much money? What was the real story? How did they get the deal done? Did they poach him and meet him mid-season? All the little bits and pieces that, you know, you know the media, we've all worked in the media, the newsroom is all about the deal. This is the deal move and the next story. But no one really thrashes it out and that's what we're about. We've all got our favourite teams, haven't we? We've all got our favourite sports, but uh, this is just a chance to really dig a bit deeper, I suppose, isn't it? And uh, um, really try and um, unlock, unpack all the uh, the intricacies of uh, of what goes on to uh, to make a deal, make a contract, and uh, and get uh, your favourite player over the line in your team. Who's earning what? All that kind of stuff. I think uh, it's going to be great fun. Yeah, absolutely. And we we dropped our first sports deal wrap email newsletter but we kind of came from nowhere old tread has put it out there he hasn't said much on twitter in a while and and gosh we got some great feedback oh but so on a serious note boys uh, we, we have launched the website www.thebigdeal.au and if you've got any questions shoot them through we're happy to you know give opinions and you know try and uh, bring our our audience and our our people who, who listen and uh and read our, our newsletter that goes out weekly um and obviously part of this uh, podcast we've got going as well is uh, take you give you as much information as possible and if we don't have the answers we'll try and tell you that we don't but uh, we'll dig in and try and find them for you well, Treaders, uh, you always have been and you still are one of the uh, biggest and best uh, newsbreakers in the world of footy. And uh, let's just crack straight into it. I mean, we're in the middle of uh, the silly season. Uh, uh, it's all starting to happen. Uh, trade week is still a, a couple of weeks away, but um, 
It's uh, the merry-go-round is starting, and uh, it's starting with Ruckman. And uh, you and I have always said, uh, and we're both we're both about six foot four or five. Uh, it's just that I was terrified when uh, when I had a ball in hand. But big blokes get paid big money, don't they? And uh, the big blokes are on the move again. It would seem. Yeah, and let's face it, the dominoes fall when one big name falls. We sit there and look at uh, Collingwood in particular and, and Big Grundy, one of the best ruckmen in the comp. I think two or three-time All-Australian. Um, you look at Big Maxi Gordon, the word is they'll be playing together next year and everyone goes, how does this happen? Well, let me tell you about how this would happen. It's believed he is Melbourne. you only got to speak to a few uh, people in the know, list managers, football managers who are telling you Melbourne's into Grundy. Collingwood need him off their um, uh, salary cap list because he's taking about a million dollars a year I think the deal's got four or five years to go. We heard um, very recently that uh, Jackson, the uh, premiership player and um, rising star from last season, uh, 2021, is uh, looked to head home to Western Australia. Hasn't named a club, but it's fair to say it's going to be Fremantle. And everyone goes, how does Melbourne afford it? Well, simply, the money they budgeted on Jackson, which would be in the vicinity of 750 to 800000 a year, because that's what they get. They get paid really well, as you touched on Dion and Monty. And that money would go to Grundy, and Collingwood would have to pick up the tax very much like they did with Trollor a few years ago. So that would see how it happens um, and that would see probably a lot of people really happy. Uh, and in return, Frio probably have to lose a player and that is Rory Lobb, the former giant. Rory Lobb's supposed to be earning about seven fifty a year next year on Fremantle. Still has one more year to go. It looks like he's headed to the dogs. So the merry-go-rounds absolutely continue in the big blokes. Uh, manager would be really happy because all you need to do is just sniff it out there, float it out there, and all of a sudden uh, extra money comes and district clubs who haven't got enough big fellas uh, come running to the table pretty quickly. I tell you what, Treaders, that would really, uh, for those of us who uh, have a dabble at uh, fantasy football, uh, Grundy and Gorn in the same team, I think that might throw out <laughs> the uh, the old adage of starting with those two as your first two Ruckman. Uh, Move it on, um, Isaac Rankin, uh, you broke in the newsletter, uh, he could be the highest paid player in the competition next year in some sense. Yeah, and, and let's put some clarity around this. The guy's getting clearly overs, but Adelaide's desperate for him. I'm hearing it'll probably be a first round and a third round pick. That's very similar to the Chera trade uh, a couple of years ago when he went from Fremantle to Carlton. So that would say his trade value that the Crows are going to have to compensate the Gold Coast with. But um, well, I'm hearing the deal is at least a four, possibly five-year deal at 850 average. That's a lot of money for a bloke who's really probably played one good AFL season after being injury interrupted. Um, but the Crows are smart and this is where footy fans need to understand average is 850 the club's put it on the books as average of 850 but next year I'm hearing it's almost 1.5 million dollars up front so we remember when Jack Stephen left Jack Martin sorry Jack Martin went to uh, Carlton from the Gold Coast they up front paid him a million dollars and the situation is that uh, it's very similar that uh, Isaac Rankin Looks like the Crows are going to front load the deal to keep to uh, put off a few other clubs and uh, while they've got room in the salary cap, use it up and then he'll be quite cheap in his latter years. Not bad cash for a young fella, but what about assistant coaches, Treaders? The, uh, probably not at, the, not at those kind of levels and, and not exactly the most glamorous gig getting around being an assistant. What are, what are you hearing there with some movements? 
Well, I think the big one is you can take it to the bank that Josh Carr will be at Alberton next year. He's at Fremantle. Uh, spent some time under Ken Hinckley many years ago when he coached North Adelaide locally in the Sandville, won a premiership, went to Fremantle where he's originally from, where he got drafted from from Port Adelaide back in, I think it was 1998. It was the first round pick. But he's been uh, the head midfield coach under uh, Longmuir over there in Frio. We know the Dockers had a wonderful season. And it's fair to say that he'll be the senior assistant slash midfield coach uh, next year at Port Adelaide. And there's a lot of word around is that Adam Kingsley, the new still GWS coach is making big inroads on Brent Montgomery at Port Adelaide, who's still under contract, but I expect probably Montgomery to leave Port, head to GWS and Carter come in in that main role. And we all know Ken Hinckley's out of contract next year. Could it be a little bit? It's certainly not a mentoring role to take over like we saw with Warsfold and Ben Rutten. It's not on paper that way, but history might suggest that if Ken's team and Port Adelaide aren't going so well mid-year next year, that Josh Carr could be a caretaker coach. He could be all these situations. So uh, I think it's a good appointment by Port, but I'd like to think and I'd like to hope as a former Port Adelaide player who's you know away from his club at the moment in terms of don't have a, an official role, I'd hate for it to be a set deal um, just yet. I think you know we need to see things play out and Ken Hinckley um, really needs to deserve the right to continue his tenure if the performance is a good mid next year. But the money on offer for assistant coaches, lads, is 250000 bucks a year you know, to be an assistant coach. A few years ago, I was absolutely out of control. I know West Coast played one co- assistant coach, a well-known assistant coach, going about, about six or seven years ago. He was on like 500000 a year. So lucky that footy department spend cap is what has really been able to help the clubs, you know, the haves and the haves-nots, keep it quite even. And, and I expect that, uh, that cap to rise after being cut by about $3 million in COVID. So that'll bounce back in the next year, 18 months. Well, that, uh, Travis, you like me, you love your soccer. Let's talk about uh, a socceroo who's uh, moved clubs uh, this week, uh, Tommy Rogic. Yeah, he's left Ange Postacoglu. He won the uh, championship with Celtic last year, and Postacoglu's in all situations being sounded out potentially by Brighton as well. But uh, 29 years old, Rogic, 178 games, multiple titles there at Celtic. Yeah, from 2013 to 2022, a fair innings at a big, big European club. Free transfer, he's a one-year deal to West Brom, the baggies, with an option of a further year. So West Brom are stinking it up at the moment. 18th on the ladder, only won one, uh, eight draws, uh, and a loss by the look of it. So it's uh, it's tough times, but for him, not so tough times because he's going to get about one and a half million per season, uh, which is pretty good money. So end of the days, uh, you know, as they say, he didn't play for the Socceroos recently for personal reasons. And, and as he said, he spent there a long time at Celtic and is looking for a change of scenery. And don't worry, you'll get that when you uh, head <laughs> off to uh, the Emirates or you head off to Stamford Bridge or Old Trafford. You'll get a different change of scenery because Celtics have been the big dogs in the Scottish Premier League for a long, long time. He'll be uh, he'll be going to much uh, much nicer places like Ewood Park, playing for West Brom uh, Treaders. Now, plenty of talk in the golf world at the moment. Live golf, L I V golf. You know what L I V stands for? No idea. Fifty four, because that's how many holes they play. The, they've just uh, announced it's a fifty million dollar purse for the season finale in Miami in October. It'll be the richest in sporting history. The top three players will be competing for an additional thirty million, if you don't mind. Eighteen mil for the uh, the winner, eight for second, and four for third. Dustin Johnson is the current leader, and he is on track to make an absolute poultice. He's already pocketed nine point nine million in the first four tournaments. His career earnings in fifteen years in the PGA 
is 74 million. So he's already made nearly 10 in the last uh, six, seven weeks. Now, that's good going, but you look at someone like who's second in the, uh, in the, in the table at the moment, bloke uh, by the name of Brandon Grace from South Africa. Now, he's only ever made 12.2 million in his entire career. He's won 7 million in the last three months. Now, I'm interested in what you blokes think about the con- this whole concept, it's drawn a lot of criticism from um, around the uh, the traditional, the golf traditionalists. A lot of people don't like it. And it's just really interesting timing, this whole thing in terms of, you know, world economies are going bunkum at the moment. People are finding it hard to make ends meet, put food on the table, and these blokes are earning that sort of money to walk out on the golf course. Some of them are getting money for not even uh, having a swing, Monty. Yeah, you can't blame the players. I mean... Who's going to say no to that type of coin? You know, the reality is, uh, the question is, is, is it sustainable from a, from a league perspective and like from a, from a business model perspective? How do you maintain that? Like they're setting a, a pretty high bar. Uh, so the question is like, is, is this thing actually going to be able to hold up? But of course the players are going to go, yep, sure, why not? Like that's decent cash. We're not happy as it is. Um, why wouldn't we put pen to paper and, and give this thing a go? Yeah, well... It's, for me, and it's a little bit different, it's a little bit of World Series cricket about it, isn't it? And I know these guys, World Series cricket, they weren't earning great money. We believe it, Cricket Australia wasn't you know, paying them that well and guys were still having to work full-time jobs. We're talking the chapels and all these, Rob Marsh and Lily and all these legends of the past. But it's almost like it's a separate league. And that's where I make the comparison um, with the World Series cricket. You, know, you go to a free-to-air broadcast, or as the ABC were doing it many years ago. But, you know, this is uh, backed by the Saudis, I think. Huge, millions upon millions. And let's face it, they don't, they've got money just falling out of ashtrays left, right and centre. And the ashtrays are there are probably Ferraris and Bugattis and all that sort of stuff. But um, I think money can be great, but sometimes it can be a bit of an evil in sport. But uh, it, what is clear too is that there is very much a situation where they don't feel like they've been listened to. They don't feel like they've been rewarded for the amount of revenue that they're bringing into the PGA. And hence why uh, someone with deep pockets has come with a whole new concept. And some of the biggest names in the world, as you say, are jumping ship. And if you want to sit and whack people, well, at the end of the day, they're there to make money. They're there making their own business. They're there to make you know support their families. And some people say it's way too much money, but you know what? It brings in the eyeballs. It creates the revenue, and the people that play the game deserve to be rewarded for doing so. No matter if it's golf, it's footy, it's cricket. No matter what it is, it's no different to business. If you're the person that comes up with a business concept, you get rewarded, and that's where the buck stops. I think you blokes are right. These things tend to uh, to always find their own level, don't they? And, um, you know, we saw w- with World Series cricket, for instance, it lasted two years and then, uh, you know, the, the establishment came in and sorted things out and cricketers started getting paid a bit closer to what they uh, thought they were worth. Same thing with Super Rugby League, a couple of seasons of that, and all of a sudden everybody kissed and made up and, uh, and got on with it. Whether that happens in this uh, environment, again, I, it's hard to know, hard to know how it'll play out, but I, I agree. It's it's hard to see that uh, it is sustainable long-term, although the Saudis do have pretty deep pockets, as we know. Um, but it's interesting, uh, you know, a long-time PGA Tour player told ESPN the other day, they are, some of these blokes are livid about this. He said, it's very unsurprising that they would pick something so tacky and unoriginal to try and expand the game and, and he says that because what they're doing is head-to-head match play knockout with 12 teams of four players. So, you know, there's a bit of, uh, of uh, oh, yeah, well, they've gone down this path. Uh, it's 
effing lame is what is what it is. He said it's XFL, it's uh, and one mixtape tour. It's not competitive golf. It's a circus. So they are, uh, you know, and this is just a, a typical response from uh, some of the uh, the blokes who uh, I guess aren't on this tour and probably not getting paid that coin, but. Uh, um, it'll be what it'll be, uh, and uh, we'll we'll watch with interest how it unfolds. Uh, but uh, there's some big coin flying around. Uh, good on them, and there's no no loyalty in sport because the end of the day, uh, we see it with AFL clubs. You know, they're quick to trade. Ask Adam Trelaw how much loyalty he was shown a few years ago. If we go back to a local sense, so uh, you got to look after yourself because, as they say, if you don't look after yourself, no one else will. But speaking about a guy who's been an absolute star, arguably Australia's greatest ever cyclist, Tasmanian Richie Port has retired finally. His quote um, quoted Forrest Gump, Gump, Forrest Gump, that is on the way out. I'm pretty tired now. I think I'll just go home. Well, when you spent probably 15 years riding a bike, uh, you know, when he was contending, and it wasn't so uh, long ago when he was riding for Sky or BMC and some of the big teams around, and he was on the podium only a couple of years ago on the Tour de France, two to $2.5 million a year. Now, they make some serious money in cycling, and we know it's all about advertising, you know, getting a guy just to flog himself to get at the front of the peloton and get the sponsor's name and the team jersey on the front being broadcast into hundreds upon hundreds of countries. But he, I was lucky enough many years ago when at the Tour Down Under here in Adelaide in January, uh, which gets run pretty much every year other than COVID, and the situation, you know, I was lucky enough to see him and they talked about Corkscrew, which is a local um, uh, riding track here in Adelaide, and you sit there and go, oh, yeah, how'd you go there? He goes, oh, yeah, it was really tough. Well, let's face it, that was about a two, 2K climb, and they do 20K climbs at 20% over in Europe. But he's been an absolute star. He deserves everything he can and probably head back to quiet old Tasmania just to not sit on a bike and probably sit on a couch and chill out and probably get fat like the rest of the sports people of the world. That's it. 15 years, I mean, it's a fair effort. Couldn't couldn't think of anything worse to be honest than than sitting on a bike like getting absolutely thrashed for 15 years although the you know the two and a half mil probably makes it okay speaking of uh big earning superstars tread is back in your day mate i mean you had more than your fair share of big deals i mean probably not not those sort of numbers but um no but pretty solid can we can you take us back to to your story i mean you know, there was a time to from time to time it came up where there was you know rumours that the the great man might might move on, but not many people uh, would probably realise that it could have been as early as ninety eight. Can you tell us what was happening really early on there? Yeah, well, I came into the AFL, stayed out a year, played in the sample. Um, so came in when Port had their licence, 97, didn't play one game. It was a terrible game, got dropped, never seen again. 98 was a year I started to sort of make some inroads, uh, end up kicking was well, career high game, eight goals against Carlton um, at back of the old Optus Oval, uh, which was Princess Park in the day. Uh, I think it's changed about eight different names since, and they don't no longer play AFL um, men's games there. Um, so the Blues came hard at the end of the 98 year. I still had a year's contract to go in 99. Uh, I had Stephen Kernahan, the South Australian and Blues and uh, Glenelg legend uh, meet at my parents' house in Grange in South Australia along with uh, David Parkin, the coach, and Stephen Goff, the CEO. The only one missing was Jack Elliott, the president. He wasn't uh, on the, uh, the touring party. It was in round 21. We played the Blues that following week. 
uh, history says I didn't get a kick, so they were probably well prepared. But I tried to get traded, didn't think I had the opportunities on offer at Port Adelaide when John Carr was coaching and told them at the end of the year. I remember my manager, Jeff Motley, sitting in the kitchen at my parents' house. Uh, I said, they do know that I want to get traded. Yep. Yep, rah, rah, rah. Two weeks later, Port Adelaide come in. They make out they didn't know anything about it. Um, I know a high-profile blue and an all-Australian, best and fairest all-Australian was offered in as a trade bait. He was a, a South Australian person. I won't say a name because I know the person quite well. Um, I'm not sure they're aware. Trade never happened. Long story short, John Cale's contract wasn't renewed. Mark Williams comes in. Uh, ultimately was my premiership coach many years later. So the 99 year I was pushed into centre-half forward, his words were, the opportunity, it's yours to lose, which I didn't feel I had under the previous coaching regime. Uh, Collingwood came into the play in the pre-season. I met at Eddie Maguire's house mid-year. That then that was the last year of State of Origin. We'd played on the Sunday against St Kilda, then had a State of Origin meeting uh, on the Monday afternoon and the Monday morning. Uh, I met at Eddie's place uh, with his wife uh, at their house in Turak. I said it was a pretty ripping pad. And uh, Neil Barn was the footy manager that arrived at the time, and I was pretty well thinking I was going to leave Port Adelaide at that stage. Little did I know that I already had Mick Moldhouse in the bag as coach and as an Eagles supporter growing up. It might have been the difference between going and not going. Um, the Blues were still hanging around, and even Sydney with Rodney Ede and Colin Seary, uh, the Swans had seen Plugger retire the year before. They offered me 400 grand and a Nissan Patrol, I was quite happy with that. That was the biggest offer on at that stage. And at that stage, let's face it, I'd played 19 games of football. So that was ridiculous money back then for a kid of that age when the top players in the comp were earning half a million a year. We've now seen the salary cap go from back then, I think it was about $6 million, to now $14 million, uh, even with COVID cuts. So I could have guaranteed to get to Collingwood because uh, they had the preseason pick number one. They end up going Shane, uh, Shane O'Brien, who ended up playing, I think, 200 games for Collingwood. Decided to stay at Port, have no regrets. Uh, the Swans were never really in, in the ballpark. In terms of money, they were the best by far, but I ended up getting overpaid at Port Adelaide and playing 14 years of football and for my boyhood club, which I absolutely love. But to say that if that first trade was through, I could have been a blue, I could have got caught up in the salary cap saga, or who knows what would have happened. So, um, But it's amazing how different timelines shift at different places, and, and that was one where I thought at the right time the move was the best, and I'm glad it didn't eventuate. Fascinating to, to hear how how things could have uh, changed, uh, how things might have been different, Treaders, and uh, I'm just trying to imagine uh, that Carlton side with uh, Favola, Whitnell and Treadray all in the same team. Uh, you know, I'm tipping one of you would have ended up at centre-half back. Talking about uh, superstars... Uh, and it wouldn't have been Fev. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about superstars, as we like to do uh, on this show, and 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 just on a something that uh, we've we've had some good feedback on from our from our newsletter, which uh, hit the uh, the streets on Monday. Uh, just talking about uh, some of the great deals in world sport, and uh, and some of the worst ones, which we're, we're going to. Uh, like to look at uh, over uh, over the uh, duration of this uh, podcast over as we as we come to you every week and and one of the most incredible ones uh, is Babe Ruth uh, we all we've all heard of Babe Ruth superstar baseballer he started off with the Boston Red Sox most people remember him as a Yankee but he actually started with the Red Sox they had a lot of success back in those days Boston and but they they fell from grace a bit in 1919 and uh, and that's when their owner decided that he had a young player on his hands who was was a little bit of a troublemaker, and he thought maybe it's time to cash him in. So uh, 
New York Yankees came calling. The other interesting part of this deal was that the owner, whose name was Harry Frazzy, he was also into his musicals, would you believe? He funded musicals and he needed some cash to fund his next big musical. So the Yankees said, well, look, we got 100000 if you want to get Chuck uh, <laughs> Babe Ruth our way. And uh, Harry's taken the bait. Like, I mean, uh, talking about how things could have been different and history could have changed, Harry uh, said Babe on his way. He goes to New York, and uh, the Yankees win about 27,000 World Series titles over the next 100 years, and uh, Boston wins nothing. Uh, that's until 2004, of course, when they finally broke what everyone called the curse of the Bambino. The Yankees in that time had gone from zero World Series wins to 27, if you don't mind, the most successful franchise in Major League Baseball history, while um, the Red Sox were just parked on uh, on a handful of titles until they finally broke their duck in uh, in 2004. It just goes to show you, I mean, would that one change have changed everything? Who knows? But uh, it certainly changed the cultures of those two clubs for a little while. Jeez, it'd want to be a bloody good musical that they spent money on. That's all I'd say. <laughs> it's a it's a tough gig doing deals. Like honestly, you just doesn't matter what sport. At the end of the day, you know the guys who make those calls they go down in history. And and let's be honest, there's there's a lot of luck involved. Doesn't matter, you know how much science or or the homework you do. There's a lot that can go right or wrong on the toss of a coin. It's a, it's a bloody tough gig. Yeah, and that also includes, too, you're relying on sports persons' bodies to hold up, which are more often than not where the big money is in the collision sports, and that is an absolute classic. But, you know, Monty, there's even been a massive story in the NBA of late with the Phoenix Suns owner. He's been fined big bucks, and he's also been banned. What's he done? You know, nicely worded way of saying he's, he's just been a bit of a dick. <laughs> Yeah, apparently they're saying, they're saying workplace culture fake, I think, around around the office. And, um, you know, there's, there, is, there is actually some pretty serious allegations. And, you know, when you get banned for a year and fined 10 mil, sporting organisations aren't necessarily the most um, clean cut of all the organisations out there. No, there's no doubt about that. And, and we all talk about culture and we, we talk about, yeah, NBA is a bit different. They have the luxury tax where you can spend extra money if you've got the deeper pockets. But let's face it, if you're an NBA owner, you've probably got decent pockets anyway, I would have thought, when most licenses start with $2 billion north. Um, but that situation is all about culture and, and you want to have a good culture to have good success because when you're not playing well, the first thing that goes is your culture gets exposed when losing comes about. And, you know, that one is a, a big one. And also, too, the NBA have the rights to start having votes and whether you, you're for sale. So uh, you wouldn't want that if you're, you're anyone associated or a fan of the Sun. So uh, we'll have to watch that one and keep you updated. But, yeah, the 60-year-old purchased the Suns in 2004 for $401 million. And as I said, they're worth now $1.8 billion as of October 21. So just keeps getting bigger and bigger. But uh, we'll keep giving you all the updates uh, with our um, the Big Deal podcast as they come to hand, both uh, on the local shores of Australia, but also over in international shores and uh, break it down for you. Yeah, we're looking forward to having some, some pretty solid guests on as well. We're starting to line them up at the moment and starting to record those interviews. And yeah, we're getting a lot of support from within the industry. So we're really looking forward to unpacking uh, all of those behind the scenes insights and details um, with some of the best in the business. So thanks for listening. Subscribe on your favorite podcast player and stay tuned. 
Before you go, don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals, breaking sports biz news as it happens, and much more. Join me at www.thebigdeal.au.